I am the Watcher, a member of an ancient race which had dedicated itself to observing the many worlds which make up reality. Yet there are those of lesser races who tread the paths of the worlds beyond worlds, manipulating rather than observing the universal forces. Some of these beings are called sorcerers. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to this 22nd episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. You can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, that's strangerbythe12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. And hey, Drew, it's almost Halloween. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that seems like an important holiday for Doctor Strange. It totally does, but that totally means they're going to be doing nothing but uh, Hellblazer. Yeah, Hellblazer. Uh, John Constantine. No. (laughs) I thought instead we'd uh, leave our usual timeline behind and investigate some alternate versions of Doctor Strange. Um, Let's look at a few tonight, including a couple issues of What If, then we'll go to longer stories and we'll check out the the past in Marvel 1602, the alternate present with Ultimate Doctor Strange, and finally look at the attempted Marvel Knights reboot of The Good Doctor. Um, Before we dive in, I think I just want to, I feel like I should mention that we'll be discussing spoilers and going sort of in-depth with these comics, and... Just be aware of that, especially for something like Marvel 1602, which is really good. But, you know, we're just going to talk about mostly the Doctor Strange parts this week. This week. <laughs> yeah. But if if you're at all interested in 1602, please read 1602. It is fantastic. Yeah, especially the first, the first um, graphic novel for 1602 is super duper awesome. But let's dive right in with What If, number 18, from December 1979. What if Doctor Strange had been a disciple of Dormammu? Uh, Peter Gillis, Bard, Tom Sutton, Illuminator, Bruce Patterson, Embellisher, Tom Orzakowski, Scribe, Glenniswine, Colorist, Mark Grunwald, Guide, Jim Shooter, Watcher. And yeah, um... It's just a little backstory, I guess. Uh, what if is this series of Marvel comics started in 1977, sort of once they'd built up enough of a backstory and sort of a, a, um, a comics universe that they felt like they could start figuring out what would happen in alternate versions of it, essentially. So there's a lot of like, so they just do a lot. It's a lot of sort of hypothetical things and sort of answering sort of schoolyard questions sometimes. And all the comics are, are what-if scenarios. So it's like, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four as the first one? Or what if the Hulk had the brain of, of Bruce Banner? What or, if, uh, what if oh. Victor Von Doom had become the thing? Right. <laughs> Right, or, just, or like, what if Conan the Barbarian had come to the 21st century? What if uh, Captain America had been revived in the 80s? Stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. But it's all yeah. really interesting. Yeah, they're all sort of like, like, all the stories are, are it's, it's a fun way to sort of play with the Marvel Universe to talk about these established things and what if something else had happened, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
yeah. So including this this time, as we ask what would happen if Doctor Strange had become a disciple of Dormammu. So all these stories start the same with the Watcher, who's a character we haven't seen much in our adventures, I think. I think the only time he showed up so far on the podcast was during a, a Thing Johnny Storm comic. Yeah, he's uh, he seems to be a lot more prevalent in um, Fantastic Four and Avengers stories. Fantastic Four, absolute, like 100%, and then, yeah, everybody else as well, but not Doctor Strange. He's got his own stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But basically, the Watcher is a big bald guy. He lives on the moon, and his job is just to observe the goings on of the planet Earth, and I don't know, record them and report back to his bosses and stuff. You know, he might help out every once in a while, but mostly supposed to be uninvolved. But he can also see different realities, and so that's how he's able to be basically the host of What If, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are some major storylines directly involving the Watcher later on in Marvel history that we're not going to get into today, but they are no. out there. Yeah. So this comic um, starts quickly by recapping with the Watcher sort of showing up and recapping the story that we know of Doctor Strange, right? Uh, arrogant surgeon, cares more about money than his parents' health. Uh, gets in a car crash, his hands are injured, he travels the world trying to get his hands fixed, eventually makes his way to no, to Tibet and the Temple of the Ancient One, where he meets Baron Mordo and the Ancient as well. Uh, Baron Mordo tries to ki kill the Ancient One, Doctor Strange intervenes and eventually becomes the Ancient One's disciple, right? Right. And then eventually Master of the Mystic Arts, Blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Here we are, episode 22 of Stranger by the Dozen. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so this um, story posits basically that when Doctor Strange came to the Ancient One's monastery in, in Tibet, Mordo had made already been talking pretty extensively with uh, Dor Dormammu and was like, hey, like you got a dude who shows up with magical abilities... I don't appreciate that, so I will just uh, magic your hands fixed. Good times. Um, so Strange's hands are fixed, and he goes back to the normal world. It's pretty good. You know, everybody's happy. The Ancient One sort of looks on with consternation, but it's like whatever. Um, back in the West, Strange continues his um, arrogant ways operating and making money and stuff until eventually he gets sued for malpractice oh no well that's because he's a massive jerk yeah he definitely stops being a good guy and starts being a jerk <laughs> or he definitely sorry he doesn't stop yeah he, he was a jerk already so he maintains his jerkish ways he just becomes even more of a jerk really exactly and um to that end once he's disbarred Mordo picks him up and um, is like, hey, Mordo, buddy. <laughs> or, hey, Strange, buddy, why don't you come and be my disciple? You can learn magic. And Doctor Strange is like, fine, I suppose. And uh, he becomes hell of evil. It's good times. So now we've got Mordo and Doc Mordo and Strange are working for Domam Dormammu as co-disciples um, co of evil, I guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. And so because of this, uh, the Ancient One starts trying to recruit a team of good guys to, um, to combat the forces of evil. To do that, he go sort of goes on a world tour 
um, trying to recruit people. He even asks Doctor Doom, and we get a rare um, maskless image of Doctor Doom. Well, rare for the time, anyway. Oh, okay, that's, that 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 may be true. But yeah, in 1979, like um, the ancient ones, like ah, oh, like I'll fix your face in return for um, you helping me in my mystic. Uh, in my mystic quest to stop Mordo and Strange, but then he takes off Doctor Doom's mask, and it's like, oh, you're actually not scarred under there. Okay, buddy, whatever. Well, Which yeah, would... not not until like you know 2016 when Doctor Doom's face is really not screwed up anymore. But <laughs> that that's a tale for another time. It's true, and that this time uh, the Ancient One puts together a dream team of psych- of a uh, mystic of mystic arts. It includes um, the senile but powerful aged Genghis, uh, Dr. Druid, Lord Fife, who we saw go evil and die um, a couple issues ago, uh, Rama Khalif, uh, Agatha Harkness, a guy named Count Karezi, as well as um, assistants, including uh, Wong and our friend Victoria Bentley, the uh, British lady who shows up every now and then to help out Dr. Strange. So they sort of, yeah. So with this dream team assembled, <laughs> they try to find a way to stand against Dormammu, but they don't see a way to succeed with both Mordo and Strange at their side. The Ancient One prese- uh, presents the or- the Eye of Agamotto, which is the amulet that the real Doctor Strange uses, and uh, uses it to summon a gateway to su- to talk to Eternity himself, and um. He, tr- um, he tries to ask Eternity for help fighting them, and Eternity's like, nah, I'm too busy doing stuff. It's like, dude, get out of here. I'm all of existence, man. Exactly. Um, at the same time, more uh, Dor- Dormammu talks to Doctor Strange and says, like, hey, like, you know, I'm pretty bored of having two disciples. I think one disciple would be much better. Can you help me out with that? <laughs> Doctor Strange is like, you got it, buddy. And he zaps Mordo out of existence. At the same time, though, Doctor Strange meets uh, the unspeakable Umar, uh, Dormammu's beautiful sister, and the two of them start getting it on mystically. Oh, man. Yep. And so eventually, uh, Umar starts, you know, as, sorry, as the Magical Dream Team starts finding scrolls and ways to take down Dormammu, Umar starts positioning um, Dormammu and Doctor Strange to defeat each other. It's tough times. <laughs> Eventually, though, there's a big old wizard fight. It's a big showdown between the between the Magical Dream Team and Dor- and um, Doctor Strange with the Eye of Agamotto in the balance. And Doctor Strange now in the in the full Doctor Strange garb uh, confronts Eternity and tries to defeat him. But instead, Eternity is like, you think you're big time, but buddy, you suck. It's like, nah, man, get out of here. You're nothing. Yeah, he, he also kicks him out, just like the ancient one. Eternity's doing a lot of kicking people out these days. Eternity just doesn't have time for any of this. Yeah. Eventually, it's the, there's like a final showdown between Eternity and Dormammu, with Doctor Strange in the middle forced to choose. In the end, he chooses good. Dormammu is defeated, and Doctor Strange finds himself at the feet of the Ancient One, begging for forgiveness. Um, the Ancient One um, accepts him and tells him that he had to learn who and what Dormammu truly was, 
and who the Ancient One himself was. And because of this lesson, Doctor Strange has learned um, the true path, and he continue on. And so we end. So this issue kind of ends weirdly with Doctor Strange at like sort of back in his new position as Master of the Mystic Arts, as a disciple of the Ancient One, but like twenty years older than he was previously. Yeah, and like a kind of a weird green, black, and gold costume. Yeah, he's kind of got a version of of uh, Mordo's costume, I'd say. Yeah, a little like, bit. It's sort of the Doctor Strange costume by way of the Mordo costume. But still, this is a pretty fun one. I don't know. It had some good evil Doctor Strange stuff. I like him uh, getting in a relationship with um, with Umar. Like, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> and there's some just some good general wizard fight stuff. But let's yeah. move on, hey, to What If number 40 from August 1983. What if Doctor Strange had never become Master of the Mystic Arts? Uh, Peter Gillis, writer, Butch Guise, penciler, uh, Butch Guise and Sam Grainer, Granger, inkers, Diana Albers, letterer, Christy Scheel, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Jim Shooter, chief. So sort of like the other Doctor Strange What If, this one opens with a watcher telling us the basic Doctor Strange backstory. You know, arrogant, car crash, hands, Tibet, disciple. <laughs> basically yeah it's it's all the basic same stuff yeah but this time before that happens we flash back to a point where before dr strange arrives them at the at the monastery baron mordo was meditating and he gets attacked by some crazy um portal tentacles basically <laughs> uh, kidnap him and then spit him back out and actually uh changed mordo's change Mordo's demeanor a little bit and make him not a jerk and not trying to betray the Ancient One all the time. It's good times. Yeah. So this time, when Doctor Strange arrives at the monastery, he just learns about meditation and sort of being at peace with his new life with his messed up hands. And so he returns to New York to teach at a medical school among his students, the future Thor, Donald Blake. But that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Eh, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Mordo ends up taking up residence in 177A Bleecker Street with Wong there and all that stuff. Interesting. Yeah, so this time we see Mordo sort of basically fighting all the fights in the first episode of Stranger by the Dozen that don't actually involve Mordo being the bad guy, essentially. <laughs> like, he fights those alien possessors. He fights the Shadow House. He goes beyond the Purple Veil to fight Agamon. All that stuff. Meanwhile, uh, Doctor Strange is wracked by nightmares and stuff. Eventually, as happens in the comics, um, the Ancient One is visited by a representative of Dormammu, and he sends Mordo into the Dark Dimension to fight Dormammu. And that fight sort of sort of plays out similarly, although this time, when Mordo meets Clea, he immediately asks her name, which is pretty different than how it happened in, uh, in, in Doctor Strange, where we went for like a year without Doctor Strange learning Clea's name. <laughs> and... But also, Mordo gets kind of handsy and, like, assaults her. Like, you know, grabs her wrist. She's like, let me go. He's like, I have use of you. And he uh, hypnotizes her to, like, give him the lowdown on the Dark Dimension and, like, the barrier that keeps out the ain't the uh, mindless ones and stuff like that. So it the fight between Mordo 
and Dormammu is actually pretty similar to the this same fight that Doctor Strange had with Dormammu, where it comes down to the shield that protects the, the dark dimension from the mindless ones breaking down right at the last minute, uh, forcing, uh, allowing Mordo to help Dormammu rebuild the, the uh, that barrier and putting Dormammu in Mordo's debt. You know, right? Like the same thing happened in Doctor Strange with Doctor Strange. Oh, this is also although the. Uh, the thing that weakens the barrier to let the uh, mindless ones in is actually what happened the second time Doctor Strange fought Dormammu and Clea did it of her own free will. So it's like, whatever. But the big difference is that uh, Mordo's way more smug about his win (laughs) and is like, yeah, of course I won Dormammu because I'm the best because I'm Mordo. That's right. Well, I mean, that's just kind of what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely still basically the bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's still Mordo. I'm, that much yeah. hasn't changed. <laughs> I mean, well, like, he's not, like, super evil Mordo, but he's definitely sort of smug, arrogant Mordo, you know? But so this fight ends the same way that it did before with Mordo getting the Cloak of Levitation and the Eye of Agamotto and stuff like that, and with Dormammu raging back in his dimension. Meanwhile, um... Clay is curious about what has just happened and begins to mystically search about what the deal with Mordo is. As she does, she uh, bumps into Umar, who's sort of very mysterious with her, and then Clea uh, touches the dimension of dreams and meets some very familiar-looking uh, portal tentacles. But whatever. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, on Earth... Doctor Strange is basically unable to sleep at all, and Dormammu empowers uh, loser sorcerer Cyrus Black to try to take down Mordo. Mordo beats Black easily, and then goads Dormammu into attacking Earth himself, including saying, like, hey, like your promise to uh, not attack Earth because I beat you that time? I lift that. You can attack Earth any time you want, you big jerk. You know, I, I just find it funny that even in alternate universe, uh, Cyrus Black still has that ridiculous hat. That hat's a key part of his power, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Ancient One's like, oh, no, you can't, like, just let Dormammu attack. That'll mess everything up. And Mordo's like, nah, I can take him. I'm Mordo. I'm pretty good. I'm Mordo, and that Dormammu's a chump, I tell you. A uh, chump. Exactly. So, meanwhile, uh, Doctor Strange continues to be, have nightmares and be unable to sleep. Eventually, he heads to the Sanctum Sanctorum to ask for help. On the way in, he like makes fun of Wong for being a manservant and stuff. And Wong is like, hey man, like this is my job. Dude, back off, man. And, not cool. uh, he, he says, uh, we are all stereotypes. But until we rise above ourselves. So, you know, take that, basically. <laughs> um, so, Mordo offers to um, go inside Doctor Strange's dream to find, a, the, to find a, any problems there might be. And inside, we find that Nightmare has been uh, messing with Doctor Strange this whole time. It's always been Nightmare, that jerk. Like, Nightmare has apparently sensed the power within Doctor Strange and uh, decided to nip it in the bud by just messing with him constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, whatever. But, so, Nightmare imprisons Doctor Strange's spirit 
in the Dark Dimension and then reveals that he will use the coming assault by Dormammu to take control of the Earth. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Cleo wakes up and makes her way to the palace of Dormammu where great mystic things are taking place. And Mordo finally goads Dormammu into making the assault on Earth. At the same time, Doctor Strange managed to break free from Nightmare's prison and, with the help of a dimension-hopping Clea, manages to return to regular Earth. And it's cool, sort of, as he does, he sort of moves through different realms of, like, mystical thingamajigs and finally finding himself on Earth, where he's attacked by rats, but then it's okay. <laughs> it's like rats everywhere. Rats, rats, rats. <laughs> so, things get a little crazy right at this moment. <laughs> Although they've been crazy um, for a while now, but basically, Mordo gives Nightmare the Eye of Agamotto, and then Mordo heads off and attacks Clea and Doctor Strange. Because Mordo um, is Mordo, and that's... Yeah, and he just yeah. knows that these guys are jerks and maybe theoretically have the magical wherewithal to put a monkey wrench in their plans. Yeah, so Mordo attacked Doctor Strange and Clea. Clea throws herself in front of Mordo's attack and is knocked unconscious. Meanwhile, Dormammu and the Ancient One go to battle, and Dormammu wins, destroying the Ancient One, seemingly. Um, at this point, Dormammu and Nightmare sort of real or Dormammu versus Nightmare with the Eye of Agamotto, the two of them realize that they're basically equally powerful, and they agree to make an alliance to rule the world. But as they begin as they seal their alliance an untrained Doctor Strange draws on the full fury and power within himself and manages to throw Nightmare back to their respective dimensions. But Doctor Strange himself is killed, burned out by the massive amounts of power. He like become he looks like a withered old dude with like a white hair and all that stuff. Yeah, he looks kind of burned out. Yep. But we see at the very end of the comic that uh, both the Ancient One and Doctor Strange have been uh, magically restored. And now, at this late date, Doctor Strange will begin his training under the Ancient One. Good times. That sort of seems to be like a recurring thing with these well, uh, yeah. what-ifs. What, what-ifs. It's like, eventually, Doctor Strange ends up in the position where he was originally going to be anyway. Yeah, like, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of an, an inevitability that eventually he'll end up being the Ancient One's disciple, no matter what happens. Yeah, this, like, it all just seems to play out in a very roundabout way. Yeah, so I don't know. It's pretty good. Like uh, these ones are good for just are both these what ifs are good for some for some decent magic fights and just some bad guys fighting who you normally normally don't see. Like there's some good magic team ups in the first what if. This one has Dormammu and Nightmare fighting a little bit, which is fun because usually they're pretty separate from each other. But um, otherwise, eh, you know, moderate. Let's get to the good stuff, Drew. Yes, let's get to the good stuff. The good stuff in the form of Marvel 1602. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Marvel 1602 ran from uh, August 2003 to March 2004. It had uh, Neil Gaiman as the writer, Andy Kubert illustrator, Richard Eisenhoff digital painting, Todd Klein, lettering, Scott McCowan, cover artist, and Joe Quesada as editor. So Marvel 1602 is a bold reimagining of early Marvel, uh, except for the Avengers mostly, as uh, characters in early 17th century England. In it, 
Doctor Strange takes on sort of a John D role, like as the historical figure John D. Yeah. As a physician to Queen Elizabeth, as well as unofficial court magician. <laughs> so while Strange plays a key role in this story, he's not really, I don't think he's really the focus of the story, I guess. Not really, no. Yeah. Uh, it seems like more of the focus is being played on characters like Nick Fury and also a character who is a native, but okay, massive spoiler here, turns out to be Captain America who's thrown back in time. Yeah, good times. Yeah. It also also on um the early on the uh, on the X-Men as well. They make a big they they have a big part of the story as well, which is which is funny because of how minor they were in actual early Marvel, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's the it's the original five X Men, so Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Iceman, Beast, and Professor X, and that stuff. But so we're gonna do just sort of uh, a, a high level rundown of it. I don't want to go like I don't want to go too in depth into each um, issue, but or I don't want to go too in depth into in the story completely. But we're gonna talk about Doctor Strange's role and how it um, it affects the story in general. But, uh, so but- in the and just oh, want to say seriously, though, if you haven't read the series, it's eight issues and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's collected in um, a trade paperback and it's on Marvel Unlimited for um, for free if you have that service. You know, check it out. So in issue one, uh, Doctor Strange is summoned to consult with Queen Victoria. Yeah, is it Victoria? Yeah, no, yes, Queen yeah. Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth, I'm sorry. With, uh, with the Queen and Nick Fury, who is... The Queen's spy master about strange weather and going on of the going ons of the world is it the end of the world. He can't say. <laughs> and it's Either. important to it's important to point out that you know for for their history buffs out there that this is all taking place towards the end of Queen Elizabeth's lifespan. That's right. Yeah, uh, James actually James the first actually take becomes king halfway through the uh, through, through the comics. But so then, back at his cottage in the town of Greenwich. <laughs> Uh, Strange and his wife, uh, Clea, consult mystic mirrors, which both give some backstory about the general world and let us know that young Virginia Dare is on her way back to England from the New World, um, along with her um, native, quote-unquote Native American friend, uh, Rojaz. (laughs) (laughs) And it uh, gives some information about the Spanish Inquisition, which is now... Uh, persecuting mutants like we see them about to burn uh, Angel at the stake and it's pretty clear that the leader of the Inquisition in Spain is uh, Magneto and it's all weird Um, but that's mostly most of Doctor Strange stuff in issue one in issue two Doctor Strange barely appears he's mostly just there's one page where he is mystically guided he like brings a bunch of random implements and heads to the castle, and Clay is like, why are you taking all that weird stuff to the castle? And he's like, I have no idea. (laughs) Which brings us directly to issue three, where Doctor Strange helps Peter Parker capture Virginia Dare, who is a, um, you know, the first person born in in uh, in the Americas, but who turns into a griffin when the 1602 version of the vulture tries to kill her and and the queen. And another thing I want to point out about the 1602 series that I find hilarious Please. is that uh, Peter Parker, throughout yeah. this, the entire story, is infatuated with the spiders that come ever so close to biting him, yeah, but the whole, never actually do. 
Yeah, it's not till the very end of the eighth issue where he's like, "Oh, I got hit by I got bit by a spider." Uh, it's probably nothing. Yeah, you know? it's nothing to worry about. <laughs> but yeah, he's a Nick Fury's sidekick in it, and just constantly, always on the verge of it, including when Strange meditates in his house after um, they recover uh, Virginia Dare after she's turned into a Griffin, and. Peter and uh, Peter Parker um, like interrupts him at, from meditating, and Strange starts to medically investigate Virginia, which takes. And then in issue four, uh, Strange and Clea nurse Virginia back to health, and Strange explains his backstory in this world. So we get every single one of these is either about Doctor Strange's backstory explicitly, or says Doctor Strange's backstory over the course of a page or two. <laughs> um, in this one, he says he was enslaved and sent to the Orient, where he learned magic and eventually escaped and returned to England. In other news, in issue four, Queen Elizabeth is dead. Uh, Doctor Strange thinks he'll be, oh, he'll be able to ride out King James's reign, just sort of as an aristocrat and stuff, but he's not exactly correct. <laughs> and then um, Dr. Strange is also on hand for Virginia telling her story about how she has the magical ability, or maybe mutant-based ability, to turn into local animals in situations of high stress. So, like, she gets freaked out and she'll turn into a, a wolf or a bear or something like that, or a, or, or a deer, and, and run away. Uh, this is also during this story is where we start getting hints that the new world in, in 1602 is overrun by dinosaurs, which is also a weird sort of side issue. Yeah, that's a bit strange. <laughs> then we go to issue five, where we see Doctor, where Doctor Strange sort of fills Nick Fury in on special events and visits a character we haven't talked about before, the, uh, the old man of the Knights Templar, who's currently been making his way from Jerusalem to England, but has been kidnapped by uh, 1602 Doctor Doom and the Scarlet Witch. And then he receives a prophecy that lets um, that is sort of the basis of Clea giving the backstory of the 1602 version of the Fantastic Four to Virginia, basically. Right. Where they went on a magic, on an expedition on a sailing ship that still somehow hit cosmic rays and turned them into uh, the Fantastic Four. They do find some very strange ways to, like, create these situations for these characters where they got their powers, like the Fantastic Four. Yeah, but I noticed they didn't try to go overboard by trying to get the actual science members of the, uh, of the Avengers into 1602. So there's no, uh, there's no Hulk, there's no Iron Man, like, there's no, like, some guy with some sort of crazy suit of armor yeah. or something like that. There's no uh, Ant-Man or Wasp or anything like that. But whatever. <laughs> Um, Doctor Strange also meets meets with uh, Fury and Carlos Javier, who's a <laughs> Professor X in this world. <laughs> um, they plan to free the old man and maybe the Fantastic Four from Doom's castle, which will hopefully be able to fix all the weird weather and uh, and end of the world stuff that's going on in the in uh, the world of sixteen oh two at this point. Uh, issue six, we see Doctor Strange go in a trance. And he meets with the Watcher, Uatu, who was the host of our What If comics, on the moon. Uatu uh, drops some exposition about the nature of this comic book world they find themselves in. <laughs> like, 
hey, this is weird. Like, you guys shouldn't be around here yet. You shouldn't be here for another 400 years. What's going on? Yeah, you guys shouldn't be... What What are you guys doing? You shouldn't be here. What, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Strange is like, I don't know. I don't, know. I don't, man, I don't make the schedule. And the Watcher's like, fair enough, bro. Whatever. <laughs> and we see that while this is happening, Dr. Strange is unconscious in the street and is eventually taken captive by King James in issue 7, where he awaits his execution... Virginia Dare begs mercy from King James, but James totally Joffrey's her. Like, <laughs> fine, I won't, I won't execute him because he's a witch, but I will execute him for treason. Oh, oh snap! <laughs> um, Virginia then tries to like plot a rescue attempt with Clea, but Clea forbids it because them sort of getting all magicked up and fighting their way into the Tower of London and freeing Doctor Strange would really mess things up for everybody else with mystic powers in England. And issue seven basically ends with Doctor Strange being beheaded. Like, it's crazy. They actually kill him. Uh, Clay is super pissed and flies up and recovers the head. He's still able to talk with her as she does. Which is, you know, not strange at all. I mean, it's magic stuff, you know? And are you really going to put it past Doctor Strange for strange things to happen, Drew? Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> then she takes uh, Virginia and Rojaz back to America, and Clea has deduced that Rojaz is more than he lets on, which basically leads to issue eight, where Rojaz explains that he's actually Steve Rogers from the future somehow set back in time to 1602 to, I don't know, deal with America things or something like that. Sure, yeah, that sounds fine. Whatever. Yeah, and fine. And uh, Doctor Strange's rotting head provides ex exposition and marching orders for the end of the book. <laughs> um, in the end, when all the fireworks are over and the world is saved, Clea tells Reed Richards and, and Magneto to bury Doctor Strange's gross-ass head. It's and, getting all drippy rotty, too. It's, it's, it's the bad kind of rotten head. And then she opens a sweet magic door that she just walks through and pieces out, basically. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yep. Like, and the whole thing's awesome, where there's just, like, there's a ton of, uh, of, of, like, of like, mutant politics as... Magneto leads the Spanish Inquisition against mutants on his own and then sort of rebels against them and does crazy Magneto stuff. And Nick Fury's pretty cool and uh, being all Nick Fury and secrety. And it's just, it's neat. The old man from the Templars turns out to be carrying a mystic artifact that makes him a Thor. But like he's a, I think it's actually a really neat version of Thor because it's this devout Christian who becomes a pagan god and he's really conflicted about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, just like, just like all the little touches for this Thor are pretty rad too. It's like yeah. you know, he kind of speaks in various runes for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, they uh, they use the rune font on him. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's pretty rad. Yeah, it's neat. And like, um, like we didn't really talk about it, but like Daredevil's in here as like a crazy spy, and he sort of fights with Black Widow. He's kind of like a weird spot, like blind spy bard. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely like a, a level 20 D&D bard, basically, who's also yeah. blind. <laughs> and then, like, you know, um, 1602 Fantastic Four, really neat. Um, I think Sue Storm's Storm is permanently invisible, and, uh, you know, the rest of the guys are sort of cool as the Fantastic Four can be when they aren't being no good, no, no fun goody goodies and stuff. <laughs> 
And yeah, so that's 1602. Like Doctor Strange is cool in it. He was he he was a skull cap. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, okay. So there are two things at the end of the series. Okay. One, the Hulk does show up in the very last page. Oh, that's right. Yep. I guess it's just like Iron Man and um and the Wasp or I- Iron Man and like Giant Man that don't show up. In... Yeah, it's like it's all the uh, technology based superheroes that don't really show up. Yeah, I guess Tony Stark doesn't really have a place in, in the year 1602, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's he going to do? Like, he'd be inventing just regular science, or like a, a water wheel or something like that. Ooh, what if there was, a, what if there was an Iron Man that was based on a, on a, on, on a, wa- on a water wheel? That would like, be awesome. Or like a windmill. Like, he had to, like, stand in the wind for, like, 20 <laughs> minutes. And then he could um, use his Iron Man abilities or something like that. I don't. I think they could have done like a really cool Iron Man if they had like a dude in a full suit of armor at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> let's take a quick break, and we'll be back for a twofer of alternate origins for Doctor Strange. First, with Ultimate Doctor Strange, aka Stephen Strange Jr., and then the complete reboot reboot with Strange beginnings and endings. We'll be back in a bit. And we're back. I'm Conrad, he's Drew, and we are Stranger by the Dozen. Alternate Stranges Week continues <laughs> with uh, Marvel Ultimate Team-Up number 12 and 13 from March and April 2002. Uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, part one and two. Brian Michael Bendis, writer. Ted McKeever, artist. Transparency Digital, colorist. Chris L... Elopolis letterer, Ralph Macchio, and Brian Smith, editors. Uh, so these two issues are basically like a remake of Spider-Man Annual 2 way back in the day with an overlay of the new backstory for Doctor Strange Jr. in the Ultimate Universe. Um, I really love Brian Michael, Brian Michael Bendis' writing style. Uh, mostly because it's so like annoying and quick and not, be, and not despite it. <laughs> No, he does have a very good writing style that I really enjoyed, especially for his most recent stuff that he's been doing, like in mm-hmm. modern Marvel, which we're not going to talk about right now. No, it's a crazy. <laughs> thing. But he has a lot of like quick back and forth, com- like like long conversations that are a bunch of people talking quickly back and forth. You know, right? I, I feel like I should also mention what's up with the uh, Ultimate Marvel. I guess. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea. Yeah. So, like in the early two thousands, uh, Marvel decided to do sort of a reboot of the of their comic book line but they didn't um they 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 didn't close down the the regular old school marvel universe to do it they started a new one that was called the marvel ultimate universe or just like the oh you know ultimate marvel basically um they had a launch of a bunch of different comics probably the best one i'd say is uh, ultimate spider-man which ran for a long time easily easily the best series out of all that I'd say another big milestone was their version of the Avengers, which was just called the Ultimates, 
which um, I think lays a lot of ground for what we'd eventually see from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, that's where we get uh, a, a black Sam Jackson-influenced um, Nick Fury, for instance. I mean, okay. E- even in, like, the Avengers, uh, the Ultimate Avengers comics, or, sorry, the Ultimates, mm-hmm. they have, like, a little roundabout where they're talking about, okay, if they make a movie about us, who, who's <laughs> going to play you in that movie? And, of course, Nick Fury says Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's like it's very it was a very like self-aware and modern version of it like a, like there's almost no secret identities for instance or like like Spider-Man has a secret identity but if you're involved in superhero heroics at all you know who Spider-Man is at least or you you know that at least his face if not that he's Peter Parker as we'll see in these comics actually <laughs> um but in general it's just very like they, they, they tried to keep things modern, but it was very, still very, but everything was still very influenced by the older versions of the Marvels, of Marvel stuff. So it was a lot, so this comic that we're going to read, some issues of Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, was was at least a way of int- of quickly introducing a bunch of standard Marvel characters into the Marvel Universe to sort of be like, hey, like, you know, this is what Marvel, this is what Ultimate Fantastic Four looks like. This is what Ultimate... Um, Iron Man looks like before those guys got their own solo comics or sort of their in-depth storylines and stuff. And it's just a chance for like Spider-Man to have a bunch of non, um, non-canonical, non-linked to stuff adventures and things, which I think everybody had a good time with. <laughs> but so that's sort of the background for this. We jump into Ultimate Team Up 12 and we open with two things. One, a very bright... Brian Michael Bendisy kind of uh, conversation where a bunch of frat boys are, are raiding hot chicks or comparing celebrities and a dude with a goatee is sort of saying that Winona Ryder is the hottest celebrity of all time. So it's like Winona Ryder or Angelina Jolie. Winona Ryder. Really? Like, if you're asking me if, if it's Winona Ryder versus whoever, it's going to be her. And it's like, what? whatever, man, you're crazy. Until they get a knock on the door, and an Asian guy appears, and it says, um, I'm looking for Stephen Strange. I come from his father. And our bearded Winona Ryder fan is like, what father? I don't have a father. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just some weird yeah. college dude sitting in a couch talking about women. But that was like two years ago. Today, uh, Spider-Man is hanging out in the rooftops of New York, lamenting his fate as a superhero until finally some lady sticks her head out and is like, Hey, could you like soliloquize somewhere else? I got to sleep. I, I got to get up tomorrow at, at six tomorrow morning. <laughs> and Spider-Man's like, Oh geez, I'm sorry, lady. I didn't Wait. save my secret identity. Did I? <laughs> and she's like, not that I heard. It's like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> but so after sort of establishing those guys, we kind of get to the meat of our story. Which is the evil Xandu, Ugh. Yeah. constant co-star of our uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man team-ups, is once again looking for the Wand of Watoom. Uh, <laughs> this again. Didn't we already cover this? We've covered it several times, and it's across several universes now. <laughs> so, Xandu's pretty crappy. He, um hired some other magical guy to find the wind of the wand of Watum, and he did but then Xandu keeps basically this guy keeps giving Xandu the information about the wand 
the and then Xandu the, keeps trying to kill the guy like magically, and the guy's like, "I planned ahead for this. You suck." Basically, it happens like three times. Um, but we do eventually get the backstory of um, Ultimate Doctor Strange, which starts out like regular Doctor Strange. Hooray! Yep. Um, arrogant Doctor, car accident, hands, disciple. You know what I mean? Yep. But then we go a little bit further. Yeah, because this t- in, in the Ultimate Universe, all this stuff happened in like the 60s. I guess when it happened in, um, ultim- in, in, in the regular Marvel Universe. But so it means that Doctor Strange... Mystic dude, disciple of Clea, um, eventually ends up bites, biting off more than he could chew mystically and disappears beyond whatever realm of whatever. No, he's never heard from again. A pregnant Clea uh, disappears into suburbia and raises her son, Stephen Strange Jr., without <laughs> any mystical knowledge. <laughs> so eventually, as like, you know, an undergrad or something... Uh, Wong eventually finds Doctor Strange as he talks about Winona Ryder and <laughs> reintroduces him to the Mystic Studies, basically. So it kind of creates the ultimate Doctor Strange is this sort of young guy, Stephen Strange Jr., who doesn't know a ton about magic and is still sort of finding his way through things with sort of Wong, with sort of as a disciple of Wong, basically. Like Wong kind of takes on the Ancient One role, which is kind of cool, I think. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah. So after hearing all this, Sandu makes one more magical attempt to get the um, mysterious guy giving him the information to kill himself or to be destroyed. And the guy's like, Zandu, like, you suck. I'm out of here. <laughs> and Zandu's like, okay, like, you've outfoxed me. But let's see if you outfox these big dudes at the pool table who I'm going to, who I'm magicking instead to have them beat you to death. And that seems to work. So as these uh, thugs beat up the uh, magical investigator guy, whose name we don't really get, I don't think, they're beating, they're beating that guy to death. The thugs are beating that guy to death in the back alley of the bar. Spider-Man swings by, and it's like, hey, like, no one beats people to death on my watch. Thank you very much. <laughs> but as he tries to break up the fights, Xandu uh, comes out and hypnotizes Spider-Man and then sends Spider-Man off to the Sanctum Sanctorum. The ultimate Sanctum Sanctorum. I'm having the weirdest <laughs> feeling of deja vu right now. <laughs> to steal the ultimate wand of Watum. As opposed <laughs> to uh, as opposed to Spider-Man Annual 2, where regular Xandu sent reg- uh, hypnotized regular Spider-Man to get the regular wand of Watum. And he also <laughs> had two regular toughs hypnotized to, <laughs> to help him out. It's a, it's a BS. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same thing, guys. <laughs> like this is it's it's not smooth at all. If you know anything about this old stuff, haven't we been down this road before? Haven't yes, we? At least twice. <laughs> Anyhow, that's sort of how how Ultimate Team Up Two and or Ultimate Team Up Twelve ends, and Ultimate Team Up Thirteen ends. We see some more stuff from Doctor Strange's side. Um, we get like a flashback to him being a kid raised by a traumatized Clea, and he's like, "Hey, I found like these old news. I found like this old microfilm in the in the in the library of like you and my dad apparently like fighting monsters and being the newspaper." And she's like, "I don't want to hear anything about magic. I smack at your face or something like that along those lines." Shut up, kid. Nobody wants to hear about it. 
I don't want to hear about magic ever again. And he's like, how you know, all traumatized. And it's, it's hurting his ability to learn magic. Well, yeah. In the present. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. So he and Wong are meditating, and it's going bad. And then finally, uh, Spider-Man just smashes through the big window in the skylight of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And starts beating people up, looking for the wand. Um, Doctor Strange responds by transporting him through a gateway into the astral plane and, the, and rescuing him. And uh, Spider Man's pretty messed up, but broken free of the um, of the curse or the uh, mind control of Xandu. The astral plane Spider Man's pretty crazy. He gets all like stretched out and like skeletony and stuff. It's pretty neat art, actually. Yeah, and it really messes them up, though. Yeah, he come. Spider Man comes to um, in bed in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and they sort of offer him tea. And when he drinks the tea, he's like, "Wait a minute, did you guys take my mask off?" So this is a common theme for Ultimate Spider Man: is that he he takes his mask off a lot, and his mask gets taken off a lot. Yeah, like like a big the the, the funny thing, and they sort of say it here too. But the funny one of the funniest moments in Ultimate Spider Man is when he fights. Um, gosh, I forget who. It might be. Um, ultimate dr octopus and dr octopus you know beats him up and all that stuff and then he sort of has spider-man at his mercy and he's like i'm gonna take your mask off i'm gonna see who you are but then, then he takes his mask off and he says i have no idea who the heck this is uh, like of course not he's just <laughs> and like and like uh, dr strange says this too like all right like yeah we, we know who you are you're some brown-haired white kid in new york city in which there are millions of brown-haired white kids you know <laughs> Um, but Spider-Man's like, hey, come on, guys, like, respect the, uh, respect what this mask means, you know? Come and on, don't... Like, the, the superhero bro code, man, come on. He kind of spends basically the rest of this issue sort of mumbling about this, uh, about the bro code and his mask being taken off, you know? <laughs> but so, you know, the rest of the comic basically ends as would be expected, sort of Xandu shows up, there's a bunch of, uh, magical whatever's uh Xandu's like basically Xandu who's not a very imaginative or very good wizard sort of goes up against Stephen Strange Jr. who is not a very skilled or learned wizard so it's basically sort of two half-trained jerks trying to sort of duke it out and see who wins in the end and but Xandu okay. loses again he loses because of uh Spider-Man punching him right in the face which is you know a, as good a way as any <laughs> that's really to be expected the Spider-Man zips off being like, he he webs off, and they're like, thanks for the help. And he's like, don't mention it, ever. And this guy's took my mask off. <laughs> what a bunch of freaking jerks. <laughs> and it's a pretty funny, like, you know, Spider-Man sort of freaked out by all the magic stuff and sort of, you know, whatever. <laughs> and for, like, a direct remake of previous Doctor Strange and Spider-Man stories, this, is, this one's pretty fun. Um, Ultimate Ultimate Doctor Strange will show up a couple more times in the Ultimate Universe. There'll be a big team of Ultimate Knights that sort of take on the Kingpin and stuff like that, and Doctor Strange is one of them. Uh, Eventually, during the much-maligned Ultimatum storyline, Ultimate Hulk will attack the Ultimate Sanctum Sanctorum and let Ultimate Dormammu free. Then uh, Ultimate Doctor Strange will try to stop him, but instead Dormammu will crush him, crush Strange, crushes Strange to death using his own cloak of levitation. It's pretty gross and a bummer. 
Eh, it doesn't really matter anyway, because the ultimate universe is gone. It's just gone. Yeah, well, you know, there's pieces of it, but definitely, you know, Doctor Strange was a minor part of it who got swept up when they did the great house house cleaning and ultimatum. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it... Uh, okay, at this point, after uh, the Battle World storyline that happened recently, mm-hmm. uh, the Ultimate Universe is now no more. There's right. basically there's only two parts of it left, and that is Nick Fury and Miles Morales. Right. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Doctor Strange is, is long dead by the time of Battle World. Like, he's been dead for, like, you know, Ultimatum's in, like, 2009 or something like that, so... yeah. And Battleworld is, like, 2015. Yeah. So. You know, he doesn't yeah. have to be alive. It's fine. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> he was, to me, he always felt like another one of these guys where it's like the magic, his kind of magic stuff doesn't really fit in with a lot of the ultimate stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just because, I guess, nobody in the ultimate story, in the ultimate um, creative team was a big Doctor Strange fan, so they didn't feel a need to, um, like, go in-depth with ultimate doctor strange too much which is a bit of a bummer because like that whole character dynamic between uh wong being the master for doctor strange could have been really interesting yeah and i you know to me the idea of like a young or like a son of doctor strange is a very neat concept even with it even with doctor strange still alive um Oh, just someone dealing with like you're dealing with the expectations of your dad being sorcerer supreme or something like that seems pretty yeah. crazy but oh well Anyhow, yeah, enough of that. Enough of that gag. Let's go to our final story. Uh, Strange Beginnings and Endings, which started on September 2004 and was released in um, as a graphic novel in September 2005. Uh, it was written by J. M- J. Michael Straczynski and Sam Barnes, Brandon Peterson artist, Justin Ponzer colors, VCs Randy Gentle Letters and Corey's Settle uh, Meyer and Alex Alonzo editors. So this is a six-issue miniseries that's basically a complete reboot or like remake of the Doctor Strange story. And you know that means that basically it's the fourth. It's like <laughs> it's the last of the one hundred percent origin issue <laughs> um, <laughs> stories. This this episode. And for me, um, just like how the Ultimates sort of served as not an exact diagram, but sort of a template for what the movie version would be, I'm kind of interested to see how much of the movie that comes out next week will be similar to this comic book, if just because it's a chance for a modern sort of retelling of the story and stuff like that. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. Just just going by what I've seen so far from trailers from the movie, I don't think it's going to be all that similar considering that the the beginnings of uh of strange in or doctor strange and strange has him being a lot more of an altruistic character yeah i mean i think i i tend to agree it's just that this is sort of the biggest the best like modern retelling of the origin that that we've seen no no without a doubt i mean it was sort of the first thing i went to and thought but yeah i i agree that based on the on, on the trailers we've seen so far it doesn't look that similar but you know I think it's still interesting to investigate it just to kind of have an idea of where they might have gone. You know what I mean? Also, there's one more difference in here about how he hurts his hands, but we'll get to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. This this one goes way out of its, like, the innovation is that Doctor Strange hurts his hand in a whole new way. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start from the start. Um, 
from issue one of Strange from 2004. Um, young Doctor Strange is working at a clinic in Tibet to learn alternative medicine. Um, I think he's there with his buddy Devin, who will be a, 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 a long-term character in the, in the storyline. He also, um, he's primarily working, we see him working with a, a kid named Wong, who is just a young, injured kid, you know what I mean? But sure. it's like, hey, you know, I know those names. <laughs> a young, injured um, kid named Wong, how, hmm, hmm. Yeah, so uh, Dr. So. Young Doctor Strange sees a temple up in the hills and decides to go investigate. Along the way, he he meets a mysterious old man who lays some zen down on him. Where it's like, you know, he asks uh, the he asks Doctor Strange like, "Do you want to be so? You want to be a doctor?" And Doctor Strange says, uh, "No, I am a doctor." And the and uh, the old guy's like, "Oh, so you don't want to be one?" <laughs> like I see, that's rough. And Doctor Strange's like, "Hey, get out of here, old guy." I don't appreciate you questioning my my, uh, my existence, <laughs> but um, anyhow, that eventually we sort of learn that um, we sort of get some backstory on on how Doctor Strange came to be in Tibet, and that's sort of a series of basically a series of events where it's like, um, you know, his girlfriend kicks him out, and his parents are busy. And he suddenly gets an extra an extra six hundred dollars in his bank account somehow, and his buddy offers to let him come with him. You know, so it's kind of like luck or whatever. Yeah. Or so we see. Think. Anyhow, after, um, Strange and Devin head back down to the base camp of the clinic. It's sort of their going away party. Doctor Strange finds out that Wong, um, that he's basically cured Wong, or like Wong wasn't talking and was sort of injured until Doctor Strange was nice to him and now he's able to talk and like be a, a, a regular human being basically um and we get sort of some poignant stuff where dr strange offers to stay and help and his um the head of the program is like there's always one or two people who think that they want to come back to tibet and stay here forever but no one ever does Nobody ever actually follows through on that, man. You're not going to come back. And Doctor Strange is like, "Well, no, I'll I'll do it. I'll be the one." And the the head of the program is like, "I I I I really want to believe that, Stephen. I want to believe you are the one." <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we flash forward three years later, and uh, Doctor St- and Strange is graduating. He's at a frat party. Where there's hot chicks, and he's just accepted a, a million dollar job at like a, a plastic surgeon's office, and the head of the program and the head of the program from Tibet like kind of yells at him, and it's like, oh, you're you're wasting your potential on these old ladies, and he's like, whatever, man, like I'm making money, and you're just an old fuddy duddy, you're gonna die in the walls of this university, man, because those who do do, those who don't teach. <laughs> um, as, as Doctor Strange, as Strange tries to apologize to the department head, as uh, Devin stops him, and the professor drives off and uh, loses control of his car and smashes right into the walls of the university, dying within them, just like Steven said. A bit mysterious, don't you think? Yeah. Also, as this happens, he sees a uh, mysterious young woman with black hair and a trench coat. Ooh. <laughs> Anyhow. 
after visiting the uh, the head of the, the of the clinic's uh, grave, we flash forward three years later again, and we're at Doctor Strange's uh, plastic and cosmetic surgery office, and he's giving facelifts to old bags. That is exactly what he's doing. Yep, we see like an old lady that kind of looks like a, a potato, kind of being like, "Oh, like you've softened me up quite a bit." <laughs> And she offers to, and she, in, in return, besides the money, she offers to let uh, Stephen and Devin stay at her ski lodge for the weekend. And they do. All right. Um, at the ski lodge, Strange and Devin hang out and booze it up. And some uh, mysteriously, I don't know, I don't know how, um, some uh, blonde ski instructor ladies show up. <laughs> and Stephen Strange goes night skiing. Night skiing, night skiing. Oh, you don't have to show it. And he falls off a cliff. And oh no, he's in a terrible ski accident. It messes up his hands. His hands. <laughs> okay. So that's the big innovation of the Doctor Strange. Or, or that's one of the big innovations of uh, this version of the Doctor Strange story. Is that he, as opposed to hurting his hands in a car accident, he hurts his hands in a skiing accident. So this is like the one problem I have with this series. Mm-hmm. Is I can understand hurting your hands in a car accident, but yeah. in a ski accident? Sure. Really? Yeah, man. That's why you go to the ski lodge and you see all those people with uh, the big casts on their arms. Oh, that's like a, that's like a broken arm, dude. I'm talking about your hands, though. Well, then maybe like you put your hands out in front of you to stop you or something. Sure, but I'm just like looking at the amount that his hands are screwed up in this picture of him like laying in a hillside with his skis tangled up in his feet. His hands are pretty messed up. How? Man, this is like I don't know. Maybe like his hands got attacked by like um by like forest animals after he crashed. You know. Like a one of those Arctic foxes um, <laughs> ran up and, and attacked his digits after he after he crashed on the slopes. Sure, okay. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, Doctor Strange is in the hospital. Uh, Devin and his sister and his and Strange's sister Rachel watch over him, and he'll never hold a scalpel again. You know how it goes. Um, he. You see him slowly rehab. He pushes Devin and Rachel away. And eventually, he's well enough to start the montage. Uh, yes. It's a pretty good, um, and I'm pretty, and I know we'll see this in the movie. Um, the um, traveling the earth, getting poorer and poorer, um, trying to, uh, consulting with different doctors and trying to get um, his hands fixed. We're definitely going to see this montage. It's been like kind of a mainstay for all forms of Doctor Strange in cinematic form so mm-hmm. far. So yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much everything. You gotta this montage is very like like the three like the big beats. <laughs> He's got to do surgery and then smoke. He's got to get a five o'clock shadow traveling the earth, fixing his hands. <laughs> like these are the beats, you know. Um, sort of. So sitting in the gutter. <laughs> A, uh, a, f- a former fellow uh, like resident with with him tells Doctor Strange that that kid Wong has uh, like went on was inspired by by Strange and has become a doctor himself, specializing in hands. Amazing! <laughs> that was me. That was me slapping my face because uh, I was amazing. <laughs> so he. Doctor Strange uh, scrapes together the last of his money, 
and treks to Tibet to try to find the alternative medicine clinic of Wong. But the temple and everything there has been completely destroyed and is just rubble. He finally finds some Sherpa dude, like, uh, cooking a, a pot of something. And it turns out Wong left a forwarding address when he left uh, Tibet. <laughs> and uh, it's to his uh, clinic two blocks away from Dr. Strange's apartment. <laughs> it's just a filler episode, man. There's, like, there's... Uh, there's a monta- there's the uh, there's the hand montage and then three pages of trekking through Tibet <laughs> just to just to find out that he's going to go back to New York City. Go back to New York City to end up in a bar called Tibet. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, he tries to go to Wong's um, clinic, but it turns out that his hour that it's after his office hours. So instead, he uh, just goes to a nearby bar called Tibet. <laughs> He gets a beer, and then the uh, that black-haired lady we've seen a couple times uh, walks up to him and goes uh, straight Terminator on him. Like, you know, whispers, come with me if you want to live. But then they're, they're both accosted by a bunch of bad dudes with jet, with jet black super evil eyes. Oh, no. Oh, man. I hate when they do the evil eyes. It's rough. Yeah. So that takes us to issue three. So the uh, black-haired lady uh, creates some sweet magic uh, death weapons. They're like size or not not size. They're like I don't know. They look, they, they, they look kind of like batlifts or you know one-handed batlifts to me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she creates magical weapons and starts fighting the black-eyed dudes. And Doctor Strange escapes. As he escapes, he's confronted by another kind of thug dude with like a flaming hair and then a flaming body, and he attacks Doctor Strange. But then Clea smashes into him with a car, and they drive away. And she eventually takes him to a back alley in New York, opens up a door, and it sort of opens up, you know, TARDIS-style to a sweet, opulent mansion, basically. Okay, so I, I, the first time I read through this, like, I understood exactly what was happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody saw The Matrix. Oh, yeah. And then they said, wow, this movie's really cool. I mean, 2004 <laughs> is, is, is the height of Matrix. And, or not, actually, no, I guess it might be after Reloaded. No, actually, I think all three are out by 2004. Yeah. But this, but this place is, I mean, the, the Matrix influence on this is very heavy. Everybody has trench coats uh, or wears, like, sweet suits and stuff like that, which is a very Matrixy thing, you know what I mean? Yep. And, like, we're about to get to it, actually. <laughs> we find out that uh, the black-haired lady is Clea, and Wong shows up. He's got a ponytail. And Wong sort of takes him up through some, you know, again, tardis stairways to the Ancient One. Dun-dun-dun. Sitting in a gold suit in the middle of, like, a weird construct room. Yeah, I mean, it's... So basically, they have the same sort of Desert of the Real conversation that Neo and Morpheus have in the like first said, Matrix movie. Like I said, somebody saw The Matrix is like, yeah, this movie's really cool. Yeah, like, complete with, like the panorama shifting around and stuff like that and a lot of like uh you think you know what you know but you don't know what you actually don't know and sh- and all that stuff and finally ending with a choice that dr S- that strange must make to go on as he has or become a disciple of the ancient one it's really weird to see the ancient one hold out his both of his hands one with a red pill and one with a blue pill he doesn't actually do that, <laughs> but he does. He he does do the Men in Black thing, where 
He's like, hey, so uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to blank your mind this time. So I'm going to open your third eye and you can get a sense of what the world actually is. And then you'll come crawling back. <laughs> so Dr. Strange heads out after sort of um, both the Ancient One and Clea sort of talk him into try to talk him into staying and becoming the disciple. We get a quick glance of, of, uh, of uh, this version of Baron Mordo, who is bald and sort of working as a servant because the. Uh, the greatest student must serve the lowliest task to teach humility or whatever. And Strange walks out into the night in New York City and sees that it's, you know, full of uh, demons and hell stuff. It's cool. Yep. (laughs) Which takes us to issue four, where a third eye open Doctor Strange wanders through New York City, now able to see the demons and evil stuff that permeate it. He ends up sort of running from a bunch of troglodytes and demons and dragons and sort of hell, co- you know, hell taxi drivers and stuff. At the same time, we see uh, that guy Devin, who's Doctor Strange's buddy through all of this, working at a free clinic where um, he seems kind of evil yeah. <laughs> in a mystic way. He like this uh, this drug addict guy sort of uh, says that he's having dreams about. A guy with a flaming head who covers him in spiders that eat him and stuff. And Devin prescribes him a bunch of pills. And the drug addict guy looks at the pills and they, and, they, and, they, and they look like spiders to him and stuff. Yeah. And then he gets the call from Doctor St- from Stephen Strange that's like, Hey, I'm in trouble, Devin. You're my, you're, you're my best friend. Can you help me out? And Devin comes to like pick him up, you know? And then we sort of smash cut to the next day where Doctor Strange wakes up in a flop house on like a bare mattress... And Clay is there making him eggs, essentially. <laughs> and they sort of banter about the nature of the of the real and the difficulties that the Ancient One has protecting it. We got a, this one has my favorite uh, shot of the uh, of the comic, which is a picture of like the Ancient One in the Doctor Strange a Doctor Strange costume with like a yellow trench coat and a magical scarf, sort of like forming a barrier between a, between Earth and a bunch of demons and stuff, and. You know, Clay is basically like putting out the pitch for why Doctor Strange should become the the Ancient One's disciple. And as he's sort of getting convinced, uh, there's a knock at the door, and Devin walks in, and Devin and Clay see each other, and they just start jumping at each other to have a crazy magic fight. It's awesome. Yep, it's (laughs) kind of trying to shift between like them having a fist fight, and then shifting back to like this weird uh, spatial planarscape. Where Devin's completely made out of fire, and Clea is like this weird white glowing bird thing. She's like energy. He's like a fireman, and she's like an energy bird, basically. Yeah. So they do crazy fighting stuff. Devin throws Clea through the wall of the apartment, and is like, "Sorry, Stephen. Gonna have to shoot you in the face now." And Stephen's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Yep, that's how it goes." But then Clea breaks out of the wall and. Both she and Doctor Strange jump through the window of the apartment and sort of escape into the subway. And we realize that this whole time, through it all, Devin's been this evil dude manipulating Stephen Strange into various evil situations that he'd become a bad guy instead of a good guy sorcerer. Dun, oh, no. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's sort of like, you know, it's a good, it's actually, it's, 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 I thought it was a good twist. We're, we're doing it quick. But yeah. 
you're kind of like, oh yeah, like he kind of did say some weird, like, like I'd storm the gates of heaven and to to take you to to help you do what you want to accomplish, Stephen Strange or something like that. Like that was a weird. It's a pretty weird thing for a guy to say. Uh, Plus, like most people would say, like heaven and hell instead of heaven specifically. Yeah. (laughs) What I mean. Weird, huh? Like, and then there's that there was that one professor that died in that really specific way, right? As as I was to, as I was hanging out with Devin on on that night, you know, huh? And then we were hanging out when I like broke my hands or whatever, huh? Yeah, what do you know? Weird. Anyhow, <laughs> so we go to issue five. We're back at the sanct at the uh, new Sanctum Sanctorum, and Doctor Strange agrees to become the Ancient One's disciple. Hooray! Yay! Yeah, now a uh, magic training montage, you know. He uh, whatever gets the um, gets the magic, you know. He 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 learns kung fu and all that stuff. I mean, literally, actually, there's part of it besides magic and meditating where he does learn martial arts. But yeah, generally a five week super magic course. Along the way, he learns astral projecting, and he sees that Devin is messing around with Doctor Strange with a uh, Strange's family, and he's like, "Oh man, I gotta stop him." And it looks like there might be sort of a um, Empire Strikes Back style, like, I gotta quit my training to go, um, I gotta quit my training to help my friends, but the Ancient One uh, talks him out of it, basically. It's like, no, if you leave now, then you will forever doom yourself and your family, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. As this is going on, um, Mordo is becoming more and more jealous and eventually makes a deal with a demon. Maybe Dormammu? Probably Dormammu, frankly. I don't know. There's a lot of fire involved. I'm guessing Dormammu. Yeah. So the demons attack the Ancient One. Like, so Mordo and the demons attack the Ancient One. Uh, there's a lightsaber fight, basically, where yeah. um, the, the Ancient One creates a laser bow staff, and Mordo has laser katanas, and they sort of fight. And more, and the ancient one manages to defeat Mordo, but then Mordo uses a talisman that summons a bunch of demons into the Sanctum Sanctorum, and it's big time fight time, basically. Yep. Um, Strange, Wong, and Clea fight the demons, but Mordo teamed up with Dormammu have defeated the ancient one. It's a big bummer, and that's sort of the cliffhanger that we end issue five with. So we go to issue six, and it's showdown time. <laughs> Uh, everybody creates magical lightsabers and fights demons. <laughs> uh, uh, to fight fights demons, Mordo and Dormammu. Around the world, magic stuff is going crazy. Like there's demons jumping out of Ouija boards and stuff. In the end of the cl- or t- towards the end of the climactic fight, the Ancient One dies. And as he does, he gifts his awesome powers to Strange, who transforms into a sweet sorcerer's supreme getup. It involves a red trench coat and an awesome scarf. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, with that, sort of, Dormammu is defeated. Uh, Clea ends up leaving the Earth with the body of the Ancient One, kind of Lord of the Rings style, I'd say. And we sort of have another montage of Doctor Strange traveling the earth talking like trying to find his family and stuff and it turns out that because he's now sorcerer supreme his life has been removed from the timeline so like it's kind of a weird it's a wonderful life thing (laughs) where he like meets his sister and his sister's in a wheelchair because young doctor because young stephen strange wasn't there to 
like pull her out of to, to like save her from an accident that put that uh would have injured her and stuff and like their parents split up and all this stuff because Stephen Strange wasn't there but instead he's got to lead the lonely life of the Sorcerer Supreme. I don't know, this is kind of like a reverse uh, It's a Wonderful Life because like he's now gone from his life and all these terrible things have happened. It's true, maybe just like the middle part of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of hit the middle part and they just stopped. Yeah, well I mean it, it's just that instead of coming back and working at the savings and loan he's doing a new he's doing his new job as sorcerer supreme with his awesome trench coat and stuff <laughs> and so we end with strange in a sweet outfit and with wong as his assistant in the new sanctum sanctorum and you know we play the ending credits and like you know the end or the beginning you know what i mean well Considering that they haven't continued the series since it came out, I'm going to go ahead and say the end. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's telling that this came out in 2005, and this version of Doctor Strange hasn't been worked on since. But I think it's, I think this version's kind of neat. Like, I like the uh, the amulet, because it kind of, like, it starts as the regular Eye of Agamotto, and then when he does magic stuff, like, all the different, like, pieces of it kind of fly out and spin around and stuff. Like, that's a neat effect for the uh, five-year-old kid in me, I think. No, that's pretty rad. <laughs> and, like, I'm a fan of um, everybody creating mystic swords and swording each other and stuff. That's always fun. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It didn't seem like it, there's a huge, like, and it seems like there's, like, a decent setup to sort of start, like, doing adventures and stuff like that. Yeah. it's It sets the table. It's sort of interesting new version of Doctor Strange, or not. But the problem is that it's also kind of the same version of Doctor Strange, you know what I mean? It Yeah, it is. It's just, like, it's slightly small differences. Yeah, like, it's not... I mean, kind of like the two, like, Spider-Man movies where, uh, you know, they have the same kind of beats and stuff like that. Like, this has the same beats of the Doctor Strange origin. It's just that instead of taking one issue to tell, it takes, like... Five ish, like six issues to tell, you know. Right. But I think it's still pretty fun. There's some good art in it, and like some neat, like sort of, like here's some magic stuff going on. But I agree, it is definitely very Matrix inspired when you think about it. Yeah, that was over. That was like the overall gist that I was getting from reading this. Mm-hmm. Like both in terms of sort of some of the beats, but also yeah, I, I think especially like the the fashion of Doctor Strange's The Sorcerer Supreme and The Ancient One, and um, just sort of how things work out and stuff, how it comes out to Kung Fu, a little bit more Kung Fu-y as yeah, opposed like, to... Yeah, like uh, Clea's character, just a whole bunch of various things. Yeah, is very Trinity in this, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise generally fun, generally good alternate versions of Doctor Strange. I think we're going to stick to the main version, though. <laughs> 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 All right, awesome. Oh, uh, oh, so so. What was your favorite version of Doctor Strange this issue, this episode, Drew? Oh man, sixteen oh two always holds a special place in my heart because I just love that series so freaking much. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I kind of like Ultimate Doctor Strange just because um, I like that series, and I feel like there's a lot that that could have been done with that character. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a shame that like there wasn't anybody interested enough to actually develop that character more. 
Yeah. And I kind of like the, the Doctor Strange at the end of uh, What If 18 with that Baron Mordo-inspired outfit and stuff. Yeah, that, a, was, that was pretty cool, too. It's a cool Doctor Strange outfit, man. It's, like, green and stuff, and, like, uh, like the whole top of his head has white hair and stuff instead of just the, uh, just the wings. Like, that was a neat end part point. Yeah. Like, I'd like to see that, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Marvel still has alternate universes, but I wouldn't mind um, what universe was that. It was... Um, I figured out how the universes work, Drew. By the way, oh snap! <laughs> but that was a uh, was a uh, strange from a uh, universe uh, seventy nine twelve eighteen. Like if that guy showed up at six one six, I wouldn't be mad about it, you know. All right. If well, if I'm reading like uh, modern <laughs> uh, Spider Verse comics correctly, then yeah, the multiple universes still exist. Yeah, man. Seventy nine twelve eighteen. Holler back at me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the the first number. It's like the year, then the month, then the issue number. Ah. Uh. Number of the universe. At least according to the Marvel Wikia, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram at strangerbythedozen, on Twitter at strangerbythedozen on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from these issues so that you can see some of the excellent art and alternate versions of Doctor Strange. Um, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or any podcast app. And again, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I'll read it on the show. And you can find Drew and all alternate versions of Drew on Twitter at Neo of the Dark. Uh, just a heads up, I'm only going to respond to people who send me vines. Ah, uh, you got to travel through time. You <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Next week, we'll continue taking a break from our timeline as we celebrate the release of the Doctor Strange movie. We'll be looking at uh, other screen versions of Doctor Strange, in ter- including the TV movie from 1978 and the cartoon movie from 2007. Um, plus, at the end of the show, we'll get... Uh, my review of the new movie in both spoiler-free and spoiler-full versions. See you then. Until next time, teach me, Ancient One, please. Five words. Five fingers on each of the hands that betrayed me. Five kinds of truth, as I am one day to learn. And five weeks of sheer hell that followed that night. Until next week, for me, Conrad, and Drew, may the Vishanti guide your path.